So if this conversation inspires you to do anything, be honest about where you want to go to dinner. Be honest about not wanting to do that sexual position. Mm -hmm. Just, just don't lie. <laughs> Welcome to the Together Sober podcast. I am your host, Louise Barnett, former Fortune 100 global sales director turned Jay Shetty accredited life coach. Each week, we will provide you a safe space of guidance, empathy, accountability, and support, helping you to find effortless sobriety and mental peace. You know the whole concept of paying it forward? That's exactly what Hit Subscribe does. It sends a message to the universe, to people who need to hear the lessons and the tools from the Together Sober podcast. Hit subscribe. Welcome back to another episode of the Together Sober podcast, where every single week it is our mission to create survival guides out of our collective stories in an effort to find lasting and effortless sobriety and mental peace. I'm really excited about today's guest. I uh, heard about a project that she has been working on for quite some time. And I have to say the title just like took me away <laughs> and stopped me in my tracks. And as I dug a little bit deeper into it, realized that this is a topic in recovery that we don't talk about and we need to be talking about. So I'm talking to today, we are listening to the story and talking to today, Tani Lara. Tani is a New York City based millennial, also known as the Sober Sexpert. She started a blog in 2015 called Sobriety Party to learn about her relationship with alcohol and why she drank the way she did. The blog served as her own accountability. Now, what began as a year-long social experiment has far surpassed the one-year mark, evolving into a myriad of sobriety-related topics, which includes publishing a book, projects, excuse me, sobriety-related projects, which include publishing a book, international public speaking, and co-hosting an award-winning podcast. Tani is passionate about smashing stigmas associated with both sexuality and sobriety. The book we're talking about is Tani's book called Dry Humping, A Guide to Dating, Relating, and Hooking Up without booze. And this comes out officially on September 19th, 2023. Although we are in pre-order right now, we're going to hear all about it. She's also the co-host of the single award-winning Best Buddy podcast, Recovery Rocks, and mom to a one-eyed cat named Meg White. Tony, <laughs> let's get into it. I don't think I can say any more. <laughs> I'm so excited. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. I know I'm buzzing about this book. I know you're buzzing about this book and we can't wait to hear about it. But before we kind of dive into that, I'd love to just provide a little bit of context for our listeners. I know they'd love to just learn a little bit about you, a little bit about your story. What does recovery look like for Tani? You know, you've got some years under your belt. So I'm just going to hand the proverbial mic over to you and uh, tell us what we need to know about you. Yeah, thank you so much, Louise. Um, 
so I, I quit drinking in um, November 30th, 2015. Um, and like you said, I started a blog called Sobriety Party. Um, you know, and I, you know, bef- a li- tiny bit about my backstory. I don't like to go into the whole, all, all of the mess. Um, but, you know, just for context, I was a party girl bartender. You know, I, I bartended when I wasn't bartending. I was on the other side of the bar. And um, I just, I drank until I blacked out. And that was just a, a part of my life for over a decade. And, um, you know, fast forward to, you know, November 30th of 2015, um, I'm leaving a pub, well, I guess November 29th, I was leaving a pub. And I, at that pub, I was talking to some friends about how I don't have enough time to write. And then when I left the pub, I realized I just spent four hours in a pub talking about how I don't have time to write. And it just kind of, it finally clicked. Um, You know, maybe alcohol is in my way, you know, in it's blocking me creatively in some way. Um, And so then that morning, next morning I woke up and I was just like, okay, I'm not going to drink for a week, two weeks, three weeks. And then, um, my 30th birthday was coming up and I was like, what if I don't drink for a full year and I just blog about it and that'll, that'll help me stay accountable both for writing and for not drinking. Mm -hmm. Um, And like you said, it was supposed to be a year long social experiment and spoiler alert, I am now seven and a half years sober. (laughs) So, um, and you know, that, I could have never, ever in a million years thought that giving up alcohol was what I needed to, yes, help my writing career, but on a more grounded level, get my head right, get my body right, get my relationships right, just get healthy. I had no idea um, the role alcohol played in my life until I removed it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I quote unquote, ate, ate clean and I exercised and I did all this stuff but I was still drinking really heavily. Um, And so once I removed that alcohol portion, my life really started to um, get, get better. And that's not to say that it was all rainbows and sunshine, because as you know, early sobriety is very hard. Uh, Sobriety in general is hard, especially the early days. So it was, you know, it was tough, but the blog and the online sober community really helped me. Um, get sober. I didn't do AA. I didn't do any official program. I kind of created my own by making friends online. Um, and, you know, remember this was 2015, 2016. So this is like, we didn't have the word sober curious yet, but that's definitely what I was. And I, you know, I was looking up hashtag sober on Instagram and I found all of these people. Like that's how I found my co-host Lisa Smith. Um, that's cool. how I connected with Ruby Warrington, who eventually, you know, she coined the term sober curious, you know, we were all coming up around the same time, had no idea what we were really doing. Um, but it led us to where we are today. And I'm really happy to be part of that scene. Um, and if I never started that blog, I wouldn't have a podcast. I wouldn't have a freelance writing career and which is ultimately what led me to the book deal. Um, and, you know, in that time, while, while writing about early sobriety, you know, the thought of dating 
let alone having sex without alcohol really scared the hell out of me. Mm-hmm. So um, I that showed up in my writing and then I realized I wasn't alone. I was talking to other people were like, thank you for writing about this. Thank you for talking about this. And there wasn't a ton of resources about sober sex and dating. There's still not, you know, there's still not a ton. And if there is, it's usually through the 12 step perspective, which didn't resonate with me. Um, So I just kind of became the resource that I needed. And that's really how I see this book. You know, this is the book that I needed when I was newly sober and had no idea how to navigate sex and dating without alcohol. Yeah. And at, you said you were coming up on your 30th birthday. So you're at an age where sex and dating, you know, for, for some, like, yeah. they're married or in a committed relationship, but for many, for most arguably, right? Like this, these are the years of exploring that. I, I absolutely love the curiosity, right? And, and as you've said, you're kind of fell into that sober curious category, even though that term didn't even exist, but (laughs) just, I think it's incredible what can come of just a genuine curious nature. And, you know, did you have a problem? Did you not? I don't know. I don't care. Like, but the result was that you discovered something about yourself to be true. And I think that's really cool. I'm really curious about, um, some of like, the earlier topics of your blog posts and like you mentioned you naturally kind of gravitated towards sexuality and dating and sex and these kinds of things how quickly did that happen for you and what were some of like if you could pick maybe two or three of the (laughs) blog topics that maybe really resonated the most with you in early sobriety what were some of those um you know honestly in the blog was more of an exploration of like why I drank. Mm -hmm. I was like, what? Like I was really figuring out my relationship with alcohol. So it wasn't even, I didn't even get a chance to explore sober sex and dating on the blog. It was more, this is what drunk dating (laughs) was like, you know? And then like, by the time I I transitioned into freelancing and, and Instagram, captions that's when I was really in the sober sex conversation and it was just it was more like I was I was more just like asking like how are you guys doing this how are you going on dates what are you what are your dates like what are you talking about like because to me whether dating networking catching up with a friend it's all through the context of alcohol so I had no idea what the hell I was doing. And, you know, again, 2015, 2016, yes, it was dating apps were definitely a thing, but it's nothing like it is now. Mm -hmm. Like it was still pretty, like now everyone meets on the apps, Mm -hmm. you know, back, back then it was still taboo. Yeah. You didn't talk about it. (laughs) Yeah. it, It wasn't as anywhere near as ubiquitous as it is now where it's the norm now um so you know I played around with like do I put sober on my profile I tried that and then it led to like some weird conversations of like people I'm sure you've experienced this when you tell someone that you're sober or even that you're just not drinking they tell you their whole life story and and I'm just like okay well I'm not trying to be like someone's therapist or life coach I'm trying to find a partner here So 
that was deeply unsexy. <laughs> I am, I'm dying laughing right now because um, obviously I'm very loud and proud about my sobriety now. Um, but it's, I'm, I'm laughing because quite literally in the past two weeks, I've met with two new, like a new hairdresser and a new, like new people that I hadn't met before. And the way it always comes up for me is, you know, oh, you know, we talk about them, talk about them. And then they ultimately ask the question. So what do you do for work? Right. And of yeah. course I say, I'm a, you know, life coach work with women and, and men in sobriety and bam, as the second I say that, the rest of the session or whatever it is I'm doing turns into a therapy session on, yep. on them and their life story with alcohol. <laughs> oh. Oh. Well, you know, I've now, I just, I just say mental health mm. because I just for my own protection, like I, it just to save everyone time, I just say mental health or I say I'm a sex writer. Because I would much rather have a conversation about sex that's way more fun and light yep. than talk about your relationship with alcohol. Like, I am not trained to handle this conversation. Mm -hmm. I am like, I'm just a person who, like, I have experience, but I'm not a mental health professional. And I would much rather talk about sex or even just say mental health in general, yeah. you know, yeah. because like, People are not going to spill as much if you keep it more abstract. Totally. Well, speaking of sex, I have, I want to dive into it. And I'm curious from your personal experience, as well as just from all of the writing and, you know, everything that you're doing, do you feel in the sense that when you find your sobriety, you almost have to like relearn how to have sex and like how to be in a relationship? Like, can you speak to that at all? Oh yeah, that's that's a really good way to to put it. It's I mean, for me, I really had to learn how to do everything all over again. Like how to be a daughter, <laughs> how to be a friend, um how to be an employee, you know, I had to learn all of that. But yeah, sex was, you know, sex and alcohol were introduced to me at the same time, you know, puberty. So for me, they were inextricably linked for half of my life. You know, like you turn 15, 16 and everyone's drinking, everyone's hooking up, everyone's going to parties. And I was introduced to alcohol as like, here, drink this, you'll get fucked up. Mm -hmm. And then people start making out and then hooking up. And it's just like, it was just how it was. That was my experience. And from what I understand, it was a lot of people's experiences. Um, so I, it, you're learning it like you've never. Yeah done it really I was yeah, yeah I mean like I my, I'm very grateful my mom had the sex talk with me she bought me my first vibrator I was very comfortable with my body and I'm grateful that I had that experience yeah. um but you know I didn't know how to be in a relationship or you know I I felt like I was I had a little bit of a leg up mm -hmm. and I still really struggled so you know when I go into that in the book um but it's, you know, it's really an unlearning that I had to experience of like, okay, what is, what is the societal expectation of me as a woman? Mm -hmm. What is, what do men expect from me? What do women expect from me? What, and then like really identifying all of that mm -hmm. and then figuring out what I want, mm -hmm. you know? And that's like, that is a lot of work. Mm -hmm. You know, that was, I'm not, you know, I say that all in one pretty little sentence but that was years, years yeah. and years of work with 
a therapist, with my journal, with support groups. I mean, it, and it's still, it's still everyday work. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and I, I think the, you know, the, the first chapter of my book is about date, I call it dating yourself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the people ask me, how do you date sober? And they don't like this answer, but the answer is you date yourself. Yeah. You get to know who you are. You, especially women, masturbate, learn what your body likes, learn the societal tropes that you were conditioned to like and see if you actually like them. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the shit. That's the work right there. Um, and really figuring out what you want as a person, who are you as a sexual being? Um, and, you know, and in that, uh, to speak to that, you know, I also, t- I've interviewed some asexual people in my book and some people's sexual awakening is realizing they actually don't like sex. The thing. Yeah. You know, that's, and that's okay. Some people come to terms, come out. Some people transition, mm-hmm. you know, it really is. You're meeting your true authentic self mm-hmm. because a lot of us used alcohol to hide our true selves and adapt to those societal expectations that I'm talking about. So that could be submitting to gender norms. It could mean being performative in the bedroom. It could be really just adopting this persona because you don't know who the hell you are. So it's really taking the time to do that. I'm not going to lie. It's unpleasant. It's, it's not fun work, but it is, I think it's absolutely crucial for you to do that work before you go on a date sober. Yeah. I like what, obviously I love what you say about dating yourself and it, the word abstinence, like first was one of the first words that came to my mind, but then I quickly actually removed it because we're not, we're not talking about being abstinent. We're talking about being one with self. And like, like you Mm -hmm. said, like play with yourself, figure out what you like, like what makes you tick. Right. Um, yeah. And, and so it's, it's, I think in that sense, that's a little bit more palatable, uh, for, for those who are considering maybe a period of, of non-dating or, you know, something along those lines, yeah. it's, it's not that at all. We're not taking a break or pressing the stop button. We're, we're actually like doing ourselves a favor by, you know, figuring out what we want, what we like, who we are. And that conversation obviously extends beyond sexuality and, you know, beyond that. Mm-hmm. Um, and only then, you know, then you go out there on, what are the apps now? I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you and know, like, it's, it's also a, vision. Pe- a lot of people get sober and they're in a relationship. Yeah. So, you know, and this book does, this book holds space for those people as well. Be- like, I would encourage you if you get sober or do some dry months and you're in a relationship, absolutely. You still need to date yourself probably even more, mm-hmm. you know, what does your partner expect from you that you actually don't want to participate in are there sexual positions that you j- actually don't like mm-hmm. are there sexual positions you've always wanted to try but you would you weren't you didn't feel comfortable asking mm-hmm. you know it, it, it really is dating yourself doesn't just mean being single and abstinent it's yeah. also you know dating yourself is a practice that you have to take with you through you know through relationships i've i've been with my partner for four and a half years and we each have, you know, we each have our own hobbies. We have our alone time. You have to have that because when you come together, you have to have your own identities yeah. and you have to have your own, like I said, hobbies, your own friends, your own life, mm-hmm. because you can't just be it for each other. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like the couples that, because there are a lot of couples that end up deciding they will part ways, right? When one or both mm -hmm. find sobriety, we see that a lot, right? And then we see the couples that kind of muster through it. Um, my husband is a very minimal drinker, like one beer a month drinker kind of thing. And I was the opposite. Um, and so we've maintained our relationship. And of course, I'm just in your um, going on your three of sobriety. So, you know, really an infant in that sense. And I, I have to say that I, he's going to fucking kill me. I don't even know if he's going to listen to this or not. Let's just hope he doesn't. Uh, <laughs> but like, for me, exactly like what you said, Tawny, like started having sex at 16. That was coupled with alcohol. Like, I don't, I think so many people will say out loud, I've never had sober sex. Right. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if I could actually say that's entirely true, but for the most part, yes, that was true. And so for me, I was scared. Like I didn't, I didn't know how I would perform. I had so much kind of like anxiety in the bedroom and I think, and that lasted a long time. Like, I'm not going to lie. And I think what has finally gotten us kind of to surpass that, right. And actually find uh, a partnership that, you know, we're really excited about is just, again, going back to that genuine curiosity and like almost in a way, just like starting to date each other over again in the. Yes. Bedroom. I love that. Yeah. Um, so sorry, babe. If, if you listen to this one, your, your laundry is. I think, <laughs> I think you painted him in a very beautiful light. So I think you did, you did good. <laughs> Um, but it can be scary. I mean, like sex, I think our culture in general has created sex as this kind of like strange, scary, like, because it's not talked about in, you know, everyday conversation necessarily. So yeah. there's already this kind of allure about it. Um, and, and then when you kind of all of a sudden find yourself sober and now having to revisit this piece, uh, that's scary. And I think that's okay for it to be scary. Yeah. And, you know, I'm glad that you talked about dealing with like, you know, you, you two finding and your new normal, you know, and it's beautiful that you found that. And it's also, like you said, some people realize alcohol was the fuel of their relationship. And when you remove that, you don't really have anything in common anymore. And that is devastating that is really fucking hard to deal with mm -hmm. um you know I have you know I have a, a chapter on that in the book and I even give some sample conversations of like you know how to tell your partner you want to cut back on alcohol mm -hmm. and it's it's unfortunate that we need conversation starters for that <laughs> I think that shows you where we are as a society of like of you saying you don't want to drink anymore or you're doing a dry month mm -hmm and and how that might impact your relationship um but it, it's true it's it's very true you know i've look looking back on my drunk relationships they all started in bars because mm -hmm. i was a bartender yeah. i dated co-workers i dated customers that was my world so there's no there's no way in hell any of those relationships would have lasted no. because all we did was drink mm -hmm. yeah yeah <sighs> So tell us a little bit about the book, some context about how that project really got started for you. And I don't know if it's, I'm curious, I don't even know the layout of the book. Like, is this more yeah. you a self-help book? Like kind of where does it fall yeah. in the spectrum of books? 
Yeah, yeah. I I would say it's 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 self help. You know, it's a quick read. It's two hundred pages, which is that's a short yeah. short book. Um, and you know, I wanted it to be as digestible as possible. You know, I wanted it to be a short book. There's a lot of bullet points. There's a lot of like I said, conversation starters, definitions. Like I want it to be oh. as fun as possible because, like we're saying the conversation itself is fucking hard. Like sober sex is a, is not a fun conversation. <laughs> like you and I are having fun talking about it, but it's because we're not like crying into our journals right now. <laughs> you know, we've already, you know, um, we've already done that. Yeah. So I, I want this to be like, you're hanging out with a girlfriend and she's holding your hand through this unpleasant time so um it's I think it's a digestible easy to read book and it's one of those books that like you don't have to read it from beginning to end like oh, cool. you know like maybe I definitely recommend dating yourself you definitely need to read that chapter yes. but like you know there's a chapter about you know alcohol and um PTSD yeah. and how some people who have experienced sexual trauma used alcohol to uh, self-medicate so they can like make themselves feel more comfortable in bed, giving people tools on how to navigate that. Mm -hmm. If that doesn't apply to you, you don't have to read that chapter. Maybe you go straight to the how to fight sober with your partner chapter. Yes. <laughs> <You know? laughs> don't just run away. It doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. Like, and that's, you know, that's a whole other thing with like, you know, it's dating and relationships. It's like, once you find your partner or partners, it's, you know, as you know, a big part of sobriety is communication. It's learning how to fight in a healthy way. It's talking about how my partner and I actively go to couples therapy and everything is quote unquote fine because we like, I go to therapy every week. We go to couples therapy every other week because that is a, it's other being that needs to be nurtured. Yes. So you know, it really, it's destigmatizing mental health, but it's also giving people tools to handle these uh, not so fun conversations with dates or partners. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like such a great, I mean, a resource for, for really any side of the spectrum, but especially for maybe individuals that haven't explored, you know, that therapeutic environment or kind of are looking for that like stepping stone or that first yeah. step to enter this world, right. Of relationships and sexuality and sex, um, as a, as a sober human, is this a book for somebody that is already sober? Is this a book for somebody that maybe is sober curious? Like who's it for? Yeah, I, I would say it's, it's for, it's definitely for both. You know, um, I, some of my advanced readers are people that are not sober, like, like, like your husband, mindful drinkers, they can have a beer every once in a while. Um, and then I also had some advanced readers who were 15 years sober, you know? Um, so I want, I really wanted the spectrum. I wanted feedback from all different types of people. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, in, I interview people that are mm -hmm. sober, sober, curious, mental health professionals, doctors. I talked to neurologists to learn the neuroscience of what liquid courage actually is. You know, like I really wanted to, um, I wanted it to be like, I'm a journalist. So I wanted it to be full of facts and statistics, but I also wanted it to be fun and, uh, conversational. Yeah. 
Yeah. What you just said about liquid courage made me think, I bet a lot of us, you know, and we, we hear about addiction transference a lot, but like now I'm almost applying it to the bedroom. Like what are we using instead as liquid courage versus how about we date ourselves first, read chapter one and, yeah. and then discover like actually just how to like truly enjoy and, and be in this moment and in this experience um, rather than finding a substitute. Did you find when you were kind of transitioning out of, um, your drinking years into your sobriety, you know, sober years that you were kind of finding substitutes for anything or like trying to grasp for anything? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. And, you know, and I talk, I do talk about this in the book, like transfer addiction is real. If you're listening and you don't know what that is, it's when you quit one thing, but so then you, you, you get hyper into this other thing um, or things so, you know, I also talk about how, you know, when I got sober, when I quit drinking, I also came to terms with the fact that I used sex in an unhealthy way. Oh. You know, I used sex as a form of validation. Mm -hmm. I used it as a manipulation tool. I used it to get what I want. I used it to feel better about myself. You know, I also, you know, I had, I also had fun. Don't get me wrong. Like I had a lot of fun, um, but I, I really learned that I had an unhealthy relationship with sex yeah. and just relationships in general, mm -hmm. you know, and now that I'm in recovery and I'm working through this shit, I can see that now I can identify what all of that was. I was like, okay, that was codependency, but I didn't have the language. I didn't have the toolbox to deal with that then, or that was insecurity. That was body image issues that, you know, now I can see what everything was. And I used alcohol and sex really just as a salve to to make yeah. me feel better in the moment instead of addressing the actual root problem mm -hmm. it's like you can probably tell your attachment style based on how you're having sex right now <laughs> exactly <laughs> no seriously I'm glad you brought that up that's that's exactly it and you know I I don't think I ever would have taken a look at my relationship with sex and relationships if I didn't get sober first and really apply all of, all of that, that I learned to sex and dating and, yeah. um, you know, and it's still stuff that, you know, it's, it's like an old injury, you know, you, you, you break a bone and the injury is going to flare up. It's, it's similar, you know, I've been in a long-term relationship for years now and I still have these flare-ups of where I'm like, okay, now I'm, that's my codependency. I have tools for that now. Let me back up. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'm going to talk to you in a couple minutes. <laughs> yeah, no, this is really neat because I think we naturally are inclined to work on other areas of our relationship, right? Like I, I'm kind of, I, you and I, I feel like are, are walking similar paths here in terms of our, our relationships. And, um, I do a lot of like DBT therapy. So the word skill to yeah. me, is like, you know, um, but anyway, so all that to say that, you know, one of the first things in our relationship that we're working on are like how to fight and how we're communicating outside of the bedroom, all the things that happen outside of the bedroom. Um, and I think a lot of us, make a lot of progress in those areas. And so things really feel like, okay, you know, we're getting places, things are so much better. Um, but we, what I love about what your book is bringing to the world is this idea that like, Hey guys, you don't have to stop there. Like you can take this mm -hmm. out into the bedroom, apply all the same skills, all the same communication tactics that you've been working on. And now your sex life is going to be fucking off the charts. <laughs> <laughs> 
um, which is going to make your relationship even better. So um, yeah. I, just, I really love that the conversation, um, you know, what I'm hearing that this book does is it brings the conversation into the bedroom, right? Like this isn't just a book about sex, obviously. Um, um, it's a, it's to me, what I'm hearing is like, this is a book about, about relationship with self relationship with partner. Yeah. Um, and, and how we can like grow and nurture and foster, you know, all of that. Um, well, you know, a lot of this, a lot of the book and what we're talking about, you can apply that to friendships, to family dynamics, to coworkers. Like once you, once you get to know yourself and you know how, like, to authentically show up mm -hmm. like your your interpersonal relationships are going to change yeah in general like you're going to you're going to have boundaries you're going to advocate for those boundaries you're going to find out who your real friends are mm -hmm. you're going to find out if your boyfriend actually likes you or just likes getting drunk with you yep. you know like all of this stuff is going to come up yeah. and yes it's a book about dating and relationships but the advice i think is really just it's about i would say relationships in general, you know, you can apply it to your family dynamics and everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and I love that because obviously I'm coming from the lens of, you know, somebody who's married committed relationship, but as we kind of, I think, started off the conversation, it was you in your early thirties single, right. Um, and, and just learning how to navigate the dating world. Does your book in addition to like, obviously the bedroom conversation and, and dating yourself and that kind of thing, what does it speak to as far as like, how do I date? Like if I'm somebody that is newly sober, single, like, how do I do it? How do I even start? Like, what would you say? Yes. Yes. There's a whole chapter on alcohol-free date ideas, mm -hmm. you know, date ideas, conversation starters, games to play. Like there's, it's a full, like, it really is a manual. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and, 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 you know, I break the dates apart of like, are you like from first to third date, there's some yeah. activities there. If you're in a long-term relationship and you want to try something new, there's some ideas there. So I'm really, I try to meet the reader wherever they are. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. And I feel like it's transferable because a couple that's been together for 20 years, but you've been drinking for 15 of those, maybe we need to go yeah. back and visit the dating chapter, you know, like, yeah, maybe we, we could benefit from some of those first date ideas, um, which is, which is really neat to think about. Okay. So I, as I understand it, the book comes out September 19th of this year, 2023, but we're in pre-sale. So yes. What does that mean? <laughs> Thank you. For what can we do? <laughs> Thank you for bringing that up. You know, <laughs> I had no idea that pre-ordering books was a, was a thing until I became an author. Um, and now I am shouting the importance of pre-orders from the rooftops because as an avid reader, I wish I knew this. I wish I knew this before. Like, so I just, you know, pre-ordering a book, here, here's here's how it helps. So pre, when you pre-order a book, it tells the publisher that there's a demand for this book mm -hmm. if you pre-order it from a local bookstore it lets the bookstore know hey this is bo this book is coming and we should maybe we should carry it mm -hmm. um it lets the printers you know the for the publisher it lets the printers know how many to print um so it really just it helps in many ways it helps generate buzz 
Um, and it also, like, if a book gets 10,000 pre-orders, that's a huge number. That doesn't happen unless you're like Brene Brown, but you know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, if a book is getting lots of pre-orders, they might, they might realize, okay, maybe we need to allocate more press for this book, you know? So it can really, especially for a debut author like myself, Mm -hmm. it can really help the more successful your first book is, maybe you can get a second book yep. deal. You know, it, it really helps with that. Um, and then I think most importantly, something I that, that I had no idea, um, you know, to get on the bestseller list of, you know, New York Times or whatever, that's your that's the first one or two weeks of sales of, the, of a book. Pre-orders count for that. Oh, they count towards it. Okay. They count toward that. So- you know, that's also something to keep in mind. So, you know, if you're, if you're a reader and you're listening to this, you know, go see what your favorite authors are up to. If they have a book on pre-order, go pre-order it. Like it is so, so helpful. And then, you know, on that note, I also had no idea how important Amazon and Goodreads reviews are. Mm. So, you know, if you find yourself doom scrolling on Instagram and you're bored and you want to do something more productive, (laughs) right. Yeah. Go, go to Goodreads, go to Amazon and write, you know, rate and review a book that you recently read because that it, it does the same thing. It helps publishers know, it helps future buyers know what the yeah. book is about. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I just, and th- thank you for giving me a minute to talk about that of because course. I had no idea and I, I wish someone told me, so I'm doing that now. I'm telling everyone who reads books, pre-order and then review it and then review. Well, and I think on the review piece too, you're also, that's the way to get it into more readers' hands. Like I'm speaking from like the podcast perspective of, you know, listener reviews, like that kicks the algorithm. Like that is what is telling the system, Hey, people are interested in this book. And like, this is this, I think every book has value, but this is a book that is like Twani said, it's a manual. Like we're we're helping yeah. you become a better human being. We're helping you become. <laughs> she's helping you become better in bed. We. I'm like on the train already. <laughs> well, you are by you are by having me on your show. You know, like you're expo- You're talking about this conversation. Yeah. You know, sober yeah. sex. People, yeah. Like you said at the beginning, people aren't talking about it, but you yeah. are. So it helps. Yes. And I got to say, even just having this conversation, which was, we had no idea where it was going completely unscripted. Right. But it's like, I actually, a topic that I admittedly do not talk about except with my husband, like just to even be able to have this conversation. I feel like I'm, I'm leaving this conversation feeling almost like a weight lifted and liberated at the same time. Um, simply by just talking about something that we're all doing, we're all experiencing. So why aren't we talking about it? Um, so thank you for providing the platform for it. Tawny, is there anything about the book in the book that we haven't touched on in our conversation today? Or like, you definitely want to make sure that we've heard about? Um, you know, I, I will quickly just share, you know, the, the thesis of the book and really of my work is, you know, helping people realize that they don't need liquid courage and helping them cultivate their own, what I call intrinsic courage. And that's something that I learned in sobriety. I'm not saying everyone is going to learn it that way, but that's something that I learned by 
dating myself, taking classes, getting involved in hobbies, spending time alone, um, learning my body. You know, these are all things that I learned how to cultivate intrinsic courage. So when it was time for me to go on a date without alcohol, when it was time for me to have sex without alcohol, I already built authentic, organic courage. I didn't feel like I needed the booze anymore mm -hmm. because I'm fine. I was finally myself, you know, and it's a lot easier said than done. Like I said, this is a fuckload of work, <laughs> um, but I think it's absolutely worth it. Yeah. That's really powerful. And I couldn't agree more about this. And I say this because one of the words in my mission statement is to find lasting and effortless sobriety and mental peace. And I mm. get, I sometimes get questioned on that word effortless um, because we've said a hundred times already, like, yeah, this shit isn't easy, right? So how could it be effortless, Louise? Like that seems contradictory, but I think you really just articulated it so well in, in this idea of liquid courage versus just your mm -hmm. natural ability to be there. And, and that to me is effortless, right? Um, yeah. And so I, I really, really, really like the way that you've articulated that, Tani. How can listeners find you. You mentioned a podcast, you mentioned an Instagram page. If they wanted to dig into the archives yeah. or the blog, like <laughs> how can we find you, get in touch with you and make sure that we're, you know, keeping up to date with the book release and everything. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I'm, I'm on all of the social medias, Tawny M. Lara. Um, and the book is called dry humping. So you can look, you can look that up wherever you get your books, look it up on Amazon, look it up at your local bookstore. Um, it's on my website, tanilara.com. And like I said, pre-orders are super, super helpful. And it's, you know, now that I pre-order books all the time, it's kind of like little gifts for future me. Like I get a book in the mail and I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot I ordered this. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, um, you know, pre-order my book, pr find it, you know, figure out what your favorite author is up to, pre-order what they're working on. Um, and, and the podcast is called Recovery Rocks where my co-host Lisa, um, she's a, she's a 12 stepper, you know, she's a Gen X 12 stepper and I'm a millennial whatever yourself. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, but like, I think that dynamic really helps because we talk about how there's no one way to recover. And while we each have our own tools, um, we're really meeting each other in the middle and we ne we don't really disagree <laughs> on yeah. anything. It's just, we're showing different paths. Um, and we call it recovery rocks because we talk about recovery and rock and roll. That's super cool. That's really cool. Thank you. And of course, all of that will be in the show notes. So don't feel like you need to scribble that down, including the link to the actual book, which you're going to pre-order right now. <laughs> if you're not driving um, yes so please please don't do please that. pull over <laughs> exactly well I'm I'm so excited I'm so excited to also feature this in the together sober Facebook community as well so if you're not in that community it's a free Facebook community that really supports all walks of recovery um, or individuals supporting those on a recovery journey um, as well as well as mental peace so we'll be sure to Definitely plug you there strong as well, Tani. We're 
I'm so like, I honestly, I'm so invigorated by this conversation. This is um, for me out of the box and it feels good to get out of my box. So thank you so much um, for the opportunity. I want to ask you one last question, which we ask all of our podcast guests who come on to the Together Sober podcast. I'm going to tweak it a little bit for you um, based on our conversation today, (laughs) but it's a hypothetical question. So we're just going to assume that, you know, the world is going to follow it. But Tony, if you could create one rule or law as it relates to sex, sexuality, relationships, and sobriety, and this law would ultimately make the world a better place, um, what would that rule or law be? Such a powerful question. You know, my initial instinct was going to be, yeah, I guess it's connected. I was going to say, like, just lying should be illegal. Um, there's just so much bullshit marketing out there. That's people selling crap products and lying about it. Um, and then just to relate that to sex and dating, like, don't lie, (laughs) just like, um, you know, don't lie on dates. Don't lie in the bedroom. Like if you don't want to do something, don't do it. And that is way easier said than done, especially for women, because we've been conditioned to please, um, especially in bed. So I, I really just wish people wouldn't lie and they would have clear communication and they would know that what they want is worth advocating for. I think that's really the big one. Um, you know, we lie to we lie for various reasons, but I guess for the sake of this conversation, it's usually to please others in bed or please others on a date. So if this conversation inspires you to do anything, be honest about where you want to go to dinner. Be honest about not wanting to do that sexual position. Mm-hmm. Just just don't lie. I love that. Thank you for taking it to the kind of the next step and like challenging ourselves to ask like, why are you lying? Why are you doing this? Is it for somebody else? And uh, yeah, yeah. And just imagine if everybody there's a there's a big difference. in like, you know, if if there's things that you know, you can do in bed that may not be your favorite, but the person that you love loves doing it and you get joy because they are enjoying themselves. Mm-hmm. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about do, compromising your own happiness and mental health to please someone else. Yeah. That's a big difference. Don't do that. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I cannot wait to read this book. We are talking <laughs> about Tawny Lara's book, Dry Humping, A Guide to Dating, Relating, and Hooking Up Without Booze. Yes, it comes out in September, but you guys, we're in pre-order right now. So just order it. It's going to be like a big surprise on your doorstep um, when it arrives in September. And obviously, we want to support our, our local friends in sobriety and recovery and I'm excited to read this because I know that I'm going to probably like treat it like my new Bible because there's going to be a lot to learn in <laughs> um, that I probably haven't even considered because like I said, I'm an infant. I'm in year three of sobriety, which means sometimes I, I think of myself as a three-year-old and I'm open to learning everything. So thank you for putting this into the world. This is new. This is different. This needs to be talked about. This is important. And thank you, thank you, thank you so much. 
Thank you for having me and for holding space for this conversation. So happy to be here. Absolutely. Together, Sober listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. You will hear from us next week with another story. If you're still listening right now, I'm going to assume that you really liked this episode. And if that's the case, can you please go ahead and rate and review the Together Sober podcast? What this does is organically puts the podcast into more listeners' ears, thus creating more lasting and effortless sobriety and mental peace for others.